Hey guys, welcome back to the Man on Mission podcast. We're going to take a few minutes today to talk about the importance of community. But I want to say up front, we're probably going to talk about things today that are rarely talked about when it comes to community. Um, so this is not going to be the stereotypical community discussion, uh, getting a small group, that kind of stuff, right? So stick with me here. Um, and this is also coming from a position of studying and working this out in my own life. Um, and I am not an expert on community. So bear with me. I do think this is important stuff. But before we dive in, I want to make sure you guys know this podcast is available on pretty much all podcast uh, platforms, right? So Google, um, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, I mean, you name it, right? It's out there. So if this is not your favorite platform, you can find it there. Um, and also, if you guys would be willing, please um, scroll down on Apple and leave us a review. Um, just go ahead and tap the stars. We would really appreciate it. You don't even have to write anything. If you do, we'll read it. We love it. We enjoy the um, feedback and encouragement if you want to leave that. But if you would just tap the stars, it really helps the exposure of the show, helps us get this information to more people, and we would really appreciate it. Um, and also, if you like the, this particular episode, just click share and uh, shoot it over in a text message to a friend or something like that. We'd, we'd really appreciate new listeners and always enjoy the impact that this is having and the feedback we're getting about it with with new folks that find it. So let's, uh, let's dive into this topic of community. Oh, um, before we do, one last thing too is you'll notice that these episodes have kind of gotten a little shorter. We're going to take some time to do some shorter episodes on a weekly cadence for a while. Um, just from different theological thoughts and community thoughts and and family thoughts. Um, and then um, hopefully we'll have um, created kind of a backlog of the different um, episodes we want to do in the future with you guys and kind of go back to a cadence there. Um, but we thought it would be fun to do short, um, concise little thoughts on a weekly basis for a little while. And so um, hopefully you guys enjoy this and um, let us know your feedback. So as we talk about community, it's important to kind of look at some of the statistics. This is pretty um, earth shattering, if you will. But I ran across some stats and the first one was was pretty powerful. 35% of Americans report that they're chronically lonely. Over a third of the United States is chronically lonely. Um, not just I was lonely this week or lonely this month, but chronically um, only 8% of Americans have reported having a conversation with a neighbor over the previous year. Guys, that's less than one in 10 of us has talked to our neighbor, any of our neighbors in the last year. This is wild. And, and in 1984, um, there was a survey that showed us the average person had three confidants in the United States. The average person. Now, recent reports show that 25% of Americans say they have zero confidants, zero people to talk to, zero people to lean on, zero people to do life with. So individualism in the United States has become the new religion, right? It's changed our entire culture and people are aching for and striving towards this like complete autonomy and individualism is actually killing us. It's more than just unhealthy. It's killing us. And personal happiness, autonomy, um, you know, my destiny, all these kinds of things are like wrapped up in everything that we do. And I think individualism um, and it, the impact on its culture has shifted things in community in, in a couple of ways pretty negatively. 
The first is that because everyone's about this personal happiness, rather than the commitment and contribution to a group, um, they look at groups differently. And so if a group doesn't perfectly meet my needs and accomplish kind of like what I want from it and what I need to get out of it, it's actually a waste of my time. Um, so individualism actually creates idealism and there couldn't be anything further from biblical in that statement I just made. Um, but one of my favorite quotes is from the book life together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And he addresses individual, or excuse me, he addresses this idealism that's created by individualism. And uh, he says, The sooner this shock of disillusionment comes to an individual and a community, the better for both. So what he's kind of explaining is that, like, community is hard, people are broken, things get messy, it's not always going to be the same, uh, you're not always going to see it eye to eye, it's not always going to be perfect for you, right? So disillusionment happens. The sooner the shock of disillusionment comes to an individual or community, the better for the both. Every human wish dream that is injected into the Christian community is a hindrance to genuine community and must be banished if genuine community is to survive. He who loves the dream of community more than the community itself becomes a destroyer of the latter. Even though his personal intentions may be ever so honest, earnest, and sacrificial, the man who fashions a visionary ideal of community demands that it be realized by God, by others, and by himself. He enters into the Christian community with his demands, sets up his own law, judges the brethren and God and himself accordingly. He comes in with a heart posture of demand rather than one of grateful reception. It's crazy, right? So uh, idealism is actually destroying true, authentic community. My favorite line here is that he who loves the dream of community more than the community itself, right? Like the idea of this perfect picture rather than actually loving people becomes the destroyer of the community. Man, that's such an important idea for us to think about. And the flip side is that individualism creates what we call tribalism. And I, I heard a pastor talking about this a while back, and I thought it was pretty breathtaking. So I wanted to share this idea, right? So David Brooks is an American political cultural commentator, right? He he does a lot of writing for the New York Times. He's an author of, I think, like 30 books, one of which is a New York Times bestseller, number one New York Times bestseller called The Road to Character. And he gives us a few thoughts about tribalism. He says, tribalism is the antithesis of community, or it's the dark twin of community, he calls it. Where community is based on mutual love, tribalism is based on mutual hate. Community is about who and what we are for. Tribalism is about what we are against. Community is about generosity and honor and celebration of how we're different. And tribalism is a zero-sum battle for scarce resources where it is kill or be killed. He says, if God sets the solitary in family, then individualism puts the lonely in tribes. The tragic paradox of hyper-individualism is that what began as an ecstatic liberation ends up as a war of tribe against tribe that crushes the individuals that it sought to free. Whoa. So what I think you can take from this is this concept that 
individualism is actually anti what God wants for us, right? It creates a hatred tribalism, um, whereas God wants to take the lonely and rather than put them into tribes of people who mutually hate things that oppose their their um, personal happiness and their their own personal drive and determination and things that they want and their desires and their needs, God wants to take those lonely, solitary people and place them in families. So let's let's think about this. What does a family of God look like? What, what does that look like when God places us in family? And what's the impact that that family has? So I'm going to read uh, three different scriptures to you. Bear with me. These are really really, really important, right? I've been thinking about these and meditating on these scriptures for weeks, and and I think it's really important that we talk about this. So John 13, 34, and 35, um, Judas was just given the piece of bread at the Last Supper, and he just left the building to go um, betray Jesus. Jesus turns to the other disciples, and he says, I give you a new command. Love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So how is that a new command? He, he told us previously when asked by the lawyer, by the scribe, like, what's the greatest command? He said, love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now he says the new command is to love one another just as I, Jesus, have loved you. And when you do that, when you are that sacrificial, when you are that willing to go to the cross for other people, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Then in John 17, about four chapters later, he says, I pray and this is Jesus praying to the Father, I pray not only for these, i.e. the disciples, but also for those who believe in me through their word. May they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them, you are in me, so that they may be made completely one so that the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you loved me. Whoa. So again, Jesus is praying to the Father that we would be unified and in our unity, in our depth of unity that is so deep, it's the same as the unity between Jesus and his heavenly Father. As the Father and the Son are one, we as Christians are to be that unified. And when we are, the world will know that we are sent by him. Wow. That doesn't make any sense to me, right? You think about this and it's like, well, we have all these strategies for how we're going to help people meet Jesus, right? And like, this doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that you know, your strategy for discipleship and evangelism and sharing the gospel is just truly loving other people. It seems so counterintuitive, right? You know, but it also didn't make sense to march around Jericho seven times, and it didn't make sense to step out of the boat and walk on water, and it didn't make sense to 
put your staff in the water and the seas would part open, right? None of this makes sense, but this is what the Bible calls us to. Here's the last one, Philippians 1, 27 and 28. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Then he says, this is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. So our relationship together and our community as Jesus followers is supposed to be so unified, so loving, and so well done in terms of our manner that it's going to show people, number one, that we are disciples of Jesus. Number two, that God has sent Jesus and we are sent on behalf of him. And number three, it'll be a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of our salvation. What that means is it's going to show people their sin. It's going to make them see us differently. We're going to be set apart in a holy people. And it's going to help our evangelism. Or if we don't do this, it will hurt our evangelism. So the equation is input, love, unity, etc. And the outcome is people believe. There's also 59 one another commands in the New Testament that outline how we're supposed to treat each other as Christians, right? And I thought it was fascinating. I looked at this, kind of broke them down. And one third of them relate to how we love one another. One third of them are about unity. And about 15% of them are about humility. So if individualism is actually driving us towards autonomy and selfish, idealistic views of community, then Jesus through humility, love, and unity, is drawing us back towards the real community the way God intended. And it does two things. It combats loneliness, and it helps us with evangelism and sharing the gospel with the world. So I'll end with this. It's a quote by G.K. Chesterton. Chesterton, excuse me. It says, The man who lives in a small community lives in a much larger world. All right, guys, thanks for listening. We'll talk next week.